everyone, and welcome to our first Best of 2023 podcast. And it is part one of our Best Books of 2023, when I'm joined again by Publishing Scotland's Vicky Riley. Hello, Vicky. Hello, Alistair. <laughs> and there will be a part two to this, more of which later, but we're going to try and stick to fiction and crime fiction in the first part. Let's see if we manage to do that before running out of time, as is our tradition when we do these podcasts. <laughs> But before we get into individual books, I'm surrounded by loads of individual books here. Let's talk a bit, was there themes and trends or ideas from the last 12 months that you had noted? Yes. <laughs> right. So I think 2023, uh, this year for me, there were, there was, I think there was two strongest themes uh -huh. um, that, that sort of came through to me over this year. And one um, was, uh, there were a lot of books that did, reimaginings and retellings particularly right. of historic I mean there's been a huge trend over the last few years about reimagining Greek myths uh, um, uh, and but this year in Scotland we in Scottish writing there's been a lot of that but not Greek myths it's been um, Shakespeare and um, Frankenstein like books based around Frankenstein and, uh, and and Shakespeare plays so so we could we'll talk about a few of those um, later on and the second theme that I've picked up on uh, quite a bit this year which has been a little has been a bit missing I think in uh, uh, fiction writing for the last few few years I, I have I've decided to call this the everyday wonder right <laughs> And that, and those are those are books that that um are just root, really rooted in real life in the sort of extraordinary ordinariness yeah. of, of living. Um, I think they sort of went away a wee bit over the last couple of years because there has been a lot of dystopia and all that kind of thing. But I think um you know like life's at life's as they're really lived kind of made a bit of a comeback this year. So yeah. those were the two main themes that I uh, sort of noticed. That a lot of music, uh, a lot of books were coming up with. Yeah, that's interesting because even some of the kind of more dystopian or science fiction books are more rooted in a more recognizable life than the kind of real high fantasy things that maybe we've we've talked about in the past few years. So yeah. I think that's right, and that kind of fictionalizing everyday lives, often from the past or the, the recent past, is something that's been really uh, interesting as as well. Mm -hmm. And um, before we again get onto the books, how did you feel the year went in terms of books and things like festivals? You know, I thought the Edinburgh Festival was kind of bigger again than it had been last year. Last year, people were still a bit reticent about, you know, gathering in large numbers and all that kind of yeah. stuff. But yeah, first of, this year it was it, things were kind of more back on track and ready. definitely, definitely. Twenty twenty two was not a good year for book festivals. Folk did stay away a little bit, and but that was and yeah, like I think most festivals will will tell you that their visitor their audience yeah. numbers were down. But yeah, this year definitely the audiences came back, and um, sales were better, audiences were better. Yeah, it was really lovely to see because I was a bit worried. You know, when you sort of when I was looking through 2022, I was like, is this a blip or is this a, a is this going to be a trend? And what will that mean if uh, if, um, you know, festivals fall by the wayside? Um, but, you know, they've come rallying back and that's good. Well, 
surprise for me as someone who chairs the odd book event that uh, a lot of them were kind of packed out to the gunnels and uh, yeah, it felt like old times again, which was lovely. Yeah. I mean, it's been an up and down year. I mean, I, most years are up and down. I think there's been more obvious downs this year. Um, just because, I mean, you know, particularly in publishing, you know, we had the the loss of Sandstone Press, yes. um, which was, it, which is, it's never nice to see um, no. a, a publisher um, uh, stop stop working like that. And the same, and the same with BHP as well. Yeah, BHP no, Comics, they've true. stopped. Um, I know um, some publishers are really they're they'll they're carrying on, but they're not going to be doing new. Um, stuff for a good wee while because the 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 climate is um still really really challenging yeah and the, and the thing with sandstone you know it just shows you how difficult it is particularly for independents at the moment independent publishers at the moment um you know if you if they just had such a string of bad luck where like just a number of books didn't perform the way that they should have and it was no fault of their own as well you know like 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 a lot of their key titles I, I know this from from speaking to them a lot of their key titles came out and their all their publicity was lined up and all that kind of thing and they and they came out with, with when world events just went a little bit mental mm. so their publicity just got completely carpeted because it wasn't the, the Ukraine war started in one of their their key titles the queen died in one and, and with, with yeah. another one of their queen titles. so it just it just meant that you know the promotion of the titles and the visibility of their titles were really affected and you, if you have a string of them which sadly that's what happened then it's really really hard to recover from and in terms of publishing is that initial when the book comes out and the initial push is that vital is that really it vital? Is vital like because all i mean the work that you do for for a new book it gets done in advance like marketing and yeah. publicity and all that kind of thing. you have to organize it so you have all your ducks in a row so that you know when the book comes out that's when you're going to get, you know, you're going to get reviews here. You're going to get feature coverage there. You're going to have your author on the radio at this point, and it and that will obviously it'll coincide with the time where maybe your books are on the table and at the front or the front of store in in a bookshop. And so it's just, you know, when when you, you when you add in together all those things that increase visibility, then that's what make people aware of yeah. uh, of the book and you know it's like oh that's that book that I, that I saw in the paper oh and that's that's that author that I heard on the and oh that's it I saw that on Waterstones and it yeah. usually takes a number of these things for them people to be like actually do you know what I'm going to buy that so yeah so you know when a little thing like hits the chain of yeah. then it, it, it can have an effect similar like Waterstones had real big issues with their um their warehouse for a long, long time. And that was more in 2022. But as I say, that knock-on effect yeah. Yeah, yeah, is, yeah. Really hard to, is, is really hard to recover from when all the puzzles, that all the bits that you put in place are affected. Um, I mean, thankfully, you know, you know, it's, it's nowhere. It's not. It's not as bad with Waterstones as it was anymore. But it, as as it was then, you know, and and I've, I've, I'm, I felt so sorry for Waterstones as well because they were pulling their hair out trying to get it all fixed and things like that. But, but yeah, so, but it's still really hard for, 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 um for independents to get that attention to sort of compete against 
the bigger names. There's been a much, there's been a bit of a contraction with attention to independence by the by the trade in particular, unless it really takes off. And it's weird because, you know, as you'll see, like the independents are the ones that are publishing the prize winners or do or are finding out or finding all the new names and all that kind of thing. But 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 um yeah it's just but in saying that though I, I really don't want to like paint like this bleak bleak picture of what's happening in Scotland because I actually think 2023 was really really good we can be a bit um we can be a bit good at self-flagellation and sort of self um just ongoing criticism about you know lack of ambition or you know how big Scottish books are seen and how we've got no like key authors anymore and uh, but actually there's so so much goodness that is that is going on as well you know like the grant uh the grant of a shortlist you know the writers to watch yeah. uh, 30 under 30 or whatever it is, is you know there was four there was four Scot it, there was four authors based in Scotland on that yeah that's you know that's really good yeah you know, in the Booker Long list, everybody was banging on about how Ireland was overrepresented. And they were like, oh, there's four Irish writers in the in the long list. Well, actually, there was a four Scottish represented books in the long list as two. There was two published in Scotland. Uh, there was Martin McInnes and there was Sarah Bernstein, who is based in Scotland. No, but there were no articles about how well Scotland is is um is 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 doing in writing and and how we're supporting new voices coming through. You know, like sometimes we we do not cheer enough about what our successes and the fact that actually you know we are, we're 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 picking ex uh, writers that to get really excited about. Yeah. It got on my nerves. I almost wanted to like write a blog or something. <laughs> Oh, I was like, well, that's why we're here, Vicky, to celebrate all of those things. And there'll be no uh, self-flagellation here, I can assure you. Yes, honestly, honestly. Yeah. And actually, I'm looking at the books we're going to talk about. Well, certainly the books on my side I'm going to talk about. And it's a really mix. It's a real mix of kind of independence and bigger, in fact, mostly independence. So, yeah, good thing. No money but, independence. Let's, it, exactly. There's something for a T-shirt. <laughs> So let's start with your first book you want to talk about. Okay, so I'll I'll start with uh, the books about the reimaginings and the and the retelling. Yep, sure. So you know there was a fair few. So, um, but I'm going to start with a Macbeth one, which is it was called Lady Macbeth. Right. And this was written by Isabel Schuler, and it's um, a fictional novel, and it's 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 about her life before she married Macbeth. Right. So it ends when she marries Macbeth. So it's before what happens in the Shakespeare. So it's so, but it uses the Shakespeare play as well as the historical document of the actual, you know, Lady Macbeth hmm. to 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 form its its plot, and. You know, I mean, you know that 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 the past was horrendous and cruel and brutal, and but the way she was passed around, like uh, the all the different sort of families that were in the 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 the, the royal sort of clans, because it it's kind of coming to that bit where clans are still, you know, really. Uh, 
huge in the sort of leadership around Scotland, but there's also, you know, they want to sort of unite around a single crown for a single monarch of Scotland. And she comes from a sort of quite pagan family. And so there's a, a there's a bit of religion in there as well, because she's seen as sort of other, because she's sort of considered fairly witchy. Yeah. <laughs> At least coming from that background from her granny and all that kind of stuff. And just... The, she's a really strong character so you see like where her ambition comes from you see where um her stoicism and her just sort of like clear eyes like she knows she's going to be queen at some point even when the life that she's leading where she's put in prison and all this kind of stuff um uh, is happening to her she is she still holds on that she's going to be the queen of scotland and it's just it was it was it was like a total page turner. Right. So it was like it's a brilliant way to learn about Scottish history, actually. Like, I mean, even though, you know, I I I doubt there's like complete historical accuracy here. But yeah, it was it was really great. So there is coming out in paperback next year as well, which is really interesting too, because the Darklands tales mm -hmm. um that Polygon have been doing, Van McDermott's going to be doing the new one next year, and that's all about Lady Macbeth too. So yeah. you know, Macbeth is uh, is a is a is a play that keeps on giving. <laughs> yes, the Scottish play. It's interesting that you mention uh, um, the witchiness of of Lady Macbeth because that was still with us this year. Uh, one of the first books I read this year was Kirsty Logan's. Now she is witch. Yeah, which is a quite astonishingly written book. You know, there's sections where there's no punctuation, and uh, the the way it's written is as kind of weird and wonderful as the story being told itself you know it really kind of discombobulates you uh, uh, as you as you go through it um i'm a big fan of kirsty logan's and she's often dealt in the supernatural and otherly you know i remember a collection of first uh, short stories which i read years ago were always interesting and uh, uh very different to what else is going on maybe the first person now you get quite a lot of that type of stuff but Kirsty maybe was one of the first people to do that yeah it was like the gothic kind of took a wee step back but now it's really really to the fore again <laughs> yeah well that's right and and a yeah this this was another take and again going into um this idea of retellings of Scottish history and taking us back there's been lots of that through the witch trials as well yeah yeah, that's the thing with these retellings and even the Greek ones that have been happening like um, in the wider publishing scene. It is really about um, reclaiming the stories of the female experience in these darker times where they really had, they had such restrictions put on them in, in ways that you just, that you just want to sort of say Look what look what this was like, you know. The look at look at like the continued fight throughout the centuries for 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 for, for um the women's law. So that that that's uh, that's I think that's really why that's that's particularly a reason why maybe witches in particular have been visited a lot over the last couple of years. Yeah, and well, another one I just wanted to mention was the Last Witch of Scotland, which does that oh, yeah. by Philip Paris, and uh, it's. It's kind of, it's really interesting. It's it's a bit of a thriller as well, because, you know, these people are chasing this woman and there's, there's some terrifying scenes in it, particularly at the beginning with people being burned. And, uh, the violence in these books is quite something. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. But it's, it's not, 
it's not just purely for entertainment. There's no. other things going on as well. There is education <laughs> going on as well. And actually, in part two, when we talk about nonfiction, Alison Shaw's book, Ashes and Stones, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. She goes and kind of looks at the sites where a mm -hmm. lot of these uh, atrocities happens. It's, I mean, it's all, it's a real eye-opener. And I, we obviously had uh, things last year, which we spoke about in terms of the witch trials, but it's still enduring, which is mm -hmm. great, because they shouldn't just be a passing fad. It should be yeah. a history that's told and told again and uh, and, and kept alive, if you like. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, and one of the other retellings, because Frankenstein is sort is is a, is being heavily um, retold through mm -hmm. a, a female perspective. I mean, even though you know it was written by a woman, but um, um, so this is this book here is um, our hideous progeny, okay. which is a great title. <laughs> I love that title. I was like, ooh, that sounds good. And this is a story by C. E. McGill, and um, it's set in the future from Frankenstein, but still in the past. So the main character is Mary, who was the great niece or the great granddaughter, great niece, sorry, of, of um, Dr. Frankenstein, as if that person actually really existed. Right. And she is like, she is, so it's around about the Victorian era, I think, yeah. And, um, and uh, she has married this scientist, though, you know, she's actually a little she's she's a bit more cleverer and on like she's got actually the more, more talent than the than the husband that she's married and they decide together that not only are they going to reenact the the scientific work that her great er, her great uncle did but they're going to do it with dinosaurs <laughs> right so so not only is there like sort of frankenstein's monster but the frankenstein's monster is a dinosaur um uh, which which sounds totally fantastical and it is, but it's 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 really well done. So and and um they they end up having to go on the run because you know there's so much there's so much politics in the scientific community at this time as well, and um and it's just a, it's a brilliant historical thriller with dinosaurs. <laughs> And the the main character Mary is such her her narrative voice is so good because, like she's she's got this inner rage because she cannot live in the way that she would fully like to yeah. because of you know the, yeah. um, that's time. not what women's status is at that time mm -hmm. and um, just really really great. This will be coming out in paperback next year. So a lot of these ones that are in hardback this yeah. year will be coming out in paperback next year, which means they'll probably get a broader readership. Um, next year, yeah, so, so that's great. Our hideous progeny, did you say? Our hideous progeny that sounds like a goth band from the late 80s. <laughs> I think I saw them support Bauhaus back in the day. <laughs> um, now you mentioned uh Polygon's Darkland Tales, yes, there were two that came out this year. There was Alan Warner's Nothing Left to Fear from Hell. And then there was, which is about the Battle of Culloden, and then Columbus Bones, which uh, there you go. Just get them there. Fantastic two books. Yeah, um, they were really great partnership. Those two publications, I thought. And what a series it's proven to be. Yeah, we've had uh, Denise Miner's um, Rizzio, and we've had Hex by Jenny Fagan, and now we've got these two. And this again is a a, a very Alan Warner retelling of history with the Battle of Culloden and Charles Edward Stuart. Um, there's a tongue in cheek and a 
a real playfulness to it, as there is with Columbus Bones. I've only you just finished this recently. Yeah, I think I don't like like around like all my sort of bookie pals were like, which which Darklands is your favourite? <laughs> What's what's your favourite one by now? I think Columbus Bones might be my favourite one. That's interesting. Um, I would say, oh gosh, that's a very. I know, one. I know, I know. When you start getting into it, you're like, oh, but Hex was so good. Oh, but Ritz. <laughs> yeah. What what I would say about Columbus Bones is again historic. Again, well, they all are, aren't they? But they're yeah. all playing with it, and just these brilliant characters. And I've actually been during the year been watching quite a lot of Viking stuff on, <laughs> you know, that kind of yeah. I didn't really know much about it, you know. Uh, Fair enough. Um, going back to Nogbad the Bad and my childhood and watching things like that. So I kind of started to know about these. And I've read books about Iona in the past, but this is really interesting. And to have basically the three characters who are stuck on I, as it's known. Yeah. And, um, the way that they function together. And then you've got all these madly named you know, it could be from a Quentin Tarantino Viking movie, the names of all these Vikings that come on. <laughs> you know, Hagrid Cleanshirt or whatever his name is. And things like that. Um, I only know David Gregg from his brilliant theatre work. Yeah, I think this is, his, this is his first novel, yeah. Yeah, uh -huh. and we'll talk a little bit about uh, impressive debuts later, but that was definitely one uh, for definitely, me. Definitely, yeah. Obviously, man can write, there was no doubt about that. But, um, yeah, I, I loved Columbus Bones, but I also loved... Um, Alan as well, nothing left to fear from hell. And if I can just jump on the back of that, because I would say this is almost a cousin to Darkland's Tales, and it's yes, minus, yeah, uh, like fires, which I mean, it's named as best-selling author of Rizzio, and it's got that flavor flavor to it. Do you think that's fair? Oh, definitely, say? yeah, because um, Rizzio, because it's written in a very similar style to Rizzio, like both Rizzio and it, it's it's it, I mean, all of Darklands are told through a modern sensibility, mm -hmm. uh, but but and that re I think that that part of it really comes through in Denise Mina's ones because it actually sounds like. Like if Denise Mina was to give a lecture about <laughs> about a, a a moment in history, you can totally hear her saying these things because well, she puts herself into it. Is that not the yeah. case? I'm sure, there are bits where she's talking about modern day San Francisco. Mm. I want to say, and, and you know, I haven't read it. For, it's a few months ago now since I've read it. But there's there's not just hints at the modern world. There's actually direct. Yeah. It as well, yeah. and I did not know this Savonarola guy. I got oh, no, neither did I. No, uh, for one of the podcasts, and it was fascinating to hear how uh, um, she researched it. And it, I've read a couple of her books this year. Um, the second murderer, I'll talk about when we got into yeah. crime. But it made me think. I don't think there's any writer who you feel they just love writing as much as comes out with Denise Miner's books. Yeah, because really... it was kind of like. Listen here, I've got this story to tell you ah. about these Raj guys for the past. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like sit down, pull your feet up. I've got something to tell you, and yeah. it's very, it's a really engaging way of of reading. Yeah, yeah. I kind of hope she does like them regularly. She just picks another moment in the past somewhere, and because I just, I just, I just really enjoy um, reading how she writes these. And I think going back to the Alan Warner and David Gregg, I think. They were really complimentary, and I think it was. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I'm not sure if it was planned this way, but the fact that they were both released in the same year, and both of them, 
have got they, they both take on really highfalutin uh worldviews at mm-hmm. the time you know like the sort of the the, the god-given royal patriot like uh, yeah. role of of the king with um with Bonnie Prince Charlie and 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 how how Christians worshipped in the in the early days, but they're totally shot through with such brilliant earthiness as well. It's re- they really like strike strike such a brilliant balance of tone in being like really sort of high minded and then you know just talking about you know like farting and uh, and sex and alive because violent, yeah, needs, which is a brilliant idea. I know. <laughs> I know that bit where like he's scrabbling to get like when he's got his shield over him. I was just like, oh my god, that is awful. <laughs> I know. I know. The, the Dutch film The Vanishing, where the guy wakes up to find he's been buried alive, it's still one of the most terrible. Oh, oh man. But oh. That's brilliant. What else would you like to talk about? Um, um... Um, I just want to give a little shout out to Burnham Wood by Eleanor Catton as well, which was another Macbeth um, uh, sort of reimagining, retelling, but in a completely different context. It uses the sort of themes of Macbeth about ambition and overvolting ambition and the price that you pay when it all goes horribly, horribly wrong. Um, So I want to give a shout out for that one. I also want to give a shout out for Letters from Elsinore by Chris Rush, which is um, a reimagining of the Hamlet story as well, Sparsile Books, um, uh, uh, an independent publisher based in Glasgow. Um, Yeah, so those are my reimaginings, retellings. But I did read a lot of other um, uh, historical ones. And uh, this one, which won the the first book award at the Saltires last night Mm -hmm. um, for, for, for Thy Great Pain, Have Mercy on... My Little Pain, which again is a fantastic title <laughs> um, by Victoria McKay. This was one of the first books that I read in, in 2023 and it stayed with me the whole year. So I was really pleased that she that she won the award. And this is a retelling of the lives of Julian of Norwich and Marjorie Kemp, sort of right. medieval, like medieval Christian women who, you know, took their faith to, to, to quite a high extreme, you know, like Julian of Norwich bricked herself up in this cell just to to and 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 Marjorie Kemp would well she made a bit of a name for herself just sort of like I always remind you always reminds me of that bit in Life of Brian with all the sort of preachers like talking about hellfire and all that kind of stuff and she was talking about her connection with Jesus and again it's like that sort of Darkland's tale thing where it combines the really highfalutin um, religious fervor and faith and language and thought and philosophy with really sort of earthy um, um, contemplation as well, because it has like Julian of Norwich really struggling with like locking herself up and thinking, God, did I do the right thing here? And it's also Marjorie Kemp is just, she absolutely fancies Jesus. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like she has like total sexual fantasies about Jesus all throughout the book. And it's just, again, it's just, I mean, it's funny as well as, as as like such an eye opener of the kind of the way that they lived back in those days, and it's just it's just a really really great book. The voices that she puts in with Marjorie and and Julian Nor- Mor- and Julian of Norwich is just it's just brilliant. So I would highly recommend this as well. It's like less than two hundred pages, mm-hmm. so it's, it's yeah, 
recommend that. Well done, Victoria, for this. Yeah, well done. That's fantastic. <laughs> so that's um, another. So you know, I kind of looking at witch, and there's, there was a lot of supernatural stuff going on as well. So one I wanted to uh, talk about is George Patterson's Westerwick, which right. set in the West End of Glasgow, and it's it's a proper horror novel, isn't it? I mean, you know, there's a bit of crime going on there as well, but George has written this uh, book, which um, is spooky right from the start. It's got a kind of um, protagonist that's a bit uh, Hannibal Lecter-esque. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that kind of thing. And um, you've got someone who's on so much kind of medication that he's not sure what's going on and is it supernatural or is it psychological? So it's got a real... Um, a history going right back to Stevenson and Hogg and all of these mm. writers, you know, I think it's in that um, in that and tradition. It's, just, uh, it's all those wee moments of strangeness, like when the all the birds, all the bits with the birds and the and the um, and the horse as well that throws birds off fall out the sky, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh huh, yeah. And I think having spoken to George about it, you know, a lot of that is the influences from other places, you know, from Hitchcock. Um, I was yeah. reminded about the Wicker. I don't know why I can't yeah. think about the Wicker. But there is that thing because yeah. you're promised Westernwick and you think whatever's happening on this island, <laughs> then it could easily be a kind of Lord Summer Isle vibe. There is that. They are even the kind of his boss who's kind of linked to something going on. And then there's an old book and oh, yeah. it's really creepy and spooky. I've read it a couple of times now and I just, you get so much out of it. I love it. I haven't read a lot of horror because I don't think there's been a lot of proper horror, but I think that's what this is. Yeah. It's for a second novel, it's so different from George's debut. That, um, really yeah. different, yeah. Uh -huh. And similarly, it reminded me as well of this, The Murmurs by Michael Malone. Brilliant, um, I've got that here. Now, that's interesting because I was, before we spoke, I was thinking, do I put that in fiction? Do I put it in crime fiction? Because Michael's yeah. the best as crime fiction. Yeah. And I kind of ended up doing that. But you're right. It's absolutely, it's pretty terrifying again. It's, yeah. It's The Shining almost, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and just, like, it, it does hark back to, you know, times when the supernatural and ghosts were more present like they felt like they were present in our life like we've i think we probably kind of lost that a little bit you know just with the the decrease in, in religion and all that kind of thing but these books it just it really takes us back to that sort of pagan <laughs> back to like, the witches yeah yeah and still the the fear of persecution even in present day that if you're thought to have powers and in inverted commas or just be a little bit odd let's face it then you know you've got to fight hard not to be persecuted yeah i, th I thought the murmurs was brilliant it was one of my most surprising reads of the year because it's was... but yeah michael malone like i've always meant to read one of his books because he's he's done a fair few right oh, now and i've just never ever managed it and and then, and I was just like, I am going to make it this year. That this is the year, and I'm glad it was it was that one because I, I really enjoyed it. I'm going to move it from my crime pile over <laughs> to my fiction pile because I think you're right. I think it, it fits. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. No, no. It fits in with. I think you're right. Now that I'm thinking about it, uh, although there is crime to be solved, it's done in such a way, a bit like Westerwick, that it's yeah. it's almost incidental. It's the it's the eeriness. It's the otherworldliness yeah. of what's going on. Yeah. Really 
I know, and it's 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 again, it's about place as well with the, oh, yeah. the with the um, uh, where well where the denouement happens and just the night like in the beginning when I first heard it, I was like, God, that would be an amazing gift to have. But then I was just like, No, no, it would be awful to be able to to know when folk are going to die. Oh, it would just be yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's also about messed up families as well. Oh my God, yeah. Not, not half. <laughs> Talking about messed up families, right? This is Matt. This is this is my last historical one. Yeah. Oh, this fame doorstop. I read it over the summer. Oh my god, I absolutely love this book. Right. Um, it's by a Canadian author, but it's set in Scotland. It's it's a love letter to like Victorian sensation novels. Right. So it's very reminiscent of. Sorry, um, what's the name of the writer? Um, Anne Marie Macdonald. Yeah, and Marie McDonald. Um, uh, uh, so you know, like Lady Audley's Secret, or some of the sort of more sensational Wilkie Collins, or something like that. So like a shit ton happens in it, <laughs> and and it's about weird ass families who like, and a, and a time when when cruelty was often just everywhere to be seen. But it's set it's set in this strange um, estate called Fane, which is both in mm. Scotland and England. It's a patch of land that at this time was neither Scottish nor English. And and, and for, because of that, it had a sort of special, um, a, a sort of special place in law. And there's this family, there's a dad who just loves to like sort of catalog his butterflies and his insects and all that kind of thing and he has a daughter called Charlotte and all that we the, all that we're told right at the beginning of the story is that her mother has died and her little brother died as well so it's, it's a family who's had a tragic past and that's kind of the reason why they've sort of been held like so they've just sort of lived their quiet lives in this creepy estate in the in the borders but then all these secrets come out and 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 really it is about like sort of being neither neither one thing or the other because well i don't want to spoil it because as as soon as you see what what actually happens in the book then you're going to give away things but honestly it was so good and i really hope it's by tramp press which is an, an irish independent writer right. um, no. publisher sorry <laughs> And um, I really hope that it does brilliantly in paperback because I'd really love more people to read this book because it really was brilliant. I absolutely loved it. Well, excellent. I will look out for that. That sounds great. I know. Um, I mean, like, it'll take you a wee while. <laughs> I know. Um, how about that? Um, another book which I'm going to move slightly into the more, as I said, Sci-fi, but set in recognisable. Not sci-fi is the wrong word. Slightly odd. Let's put it that <laughs> way. Slightly odd, which and slightly odd premises. Just weird uh, ass, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to start with Julian Sheriff's Brody. So to have the cat, the, the narrator and the central character of the book being a copy of the Prime of Miss Jean Brody, it's such an interesting and inventive premise, and it really, really works. Totally. Yeah. Uh, um. As uh, the copy gets passed from a um, woman to woman, it's six different women over the years. So because it's a stationary object, we only ever get kind of half the story, if you like. Yeah. You make up or come up with your own idea about the other half of the conversation. 
debut novel, I believe. Yeah. And what a fantastic debut it is. And yeah. I should say as well, mention that, you know, we're talking about independent publishers and both Westerwick and Brody are on Into Books. Yes. You know, I'm really just starting out in terms of publishing. Yeah. What they've yeah. done so far has been fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and what the, the, the thing that really works with Brody as well is that it's written, it's like Brody is characterised by Brody. Like this, the style of the voice is like sort of slightly... Morning, yeah. <laughs> yeah, slightly judgmental. Yeah, <laughs> it's, and um, so as she gets passed through, like all the different hands, she she has favourites, and she disapproves of some of the actions of 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 uh, of the characters. But she also really learns to love them as well. It's yeah. it's just it's really great. And there are sections where she's kind of forgotten about it. And lot. I say she. I'm saying she. Brody, but you know locked away and kind of forgotten about and you know you have to it's a really cleverly uh, idea a clever idea beautifully written I would say uh, yeah yeah I put this in my everyday wonder uh, um, uh, yeah. uh, theme <laughs> because That's it nice. is really it's about folks lives that is yeah. what the book is about it's about yeah. like you know families and family dynamics that that's really what it is but talk but but told with such a from a, such a specific point of view. <laughs> well, maybe I'll just since you're talking about um, everyday wonder, I've got a few books that relate to that as well. So, what would your what would your one be that would join Brody in that kind of category? Um, whoa. I would go with ah, this right. one, Zoe yep. Strachan. Um, catch the moments that. as they fly. I thought you might say that. That's why I did that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, this I mean, this is a book where it's just where you, where you might say nothing happens, but actually that's not true. Like everything happens, but it's it's love and death and family and 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 history and community and the changing world of post-war Scotland, and it's and it's also it pays tribute to an Ayrshire that no longer exists and and it makes you sad that it, it doesn't really exist because you know like it's you know like clothes shops and these kinds of like you don't get that kind of thing in in um small towns anymore whereas the, the shop that you buy your clothes and the shop that you buy your domestic like cleaning uh utensils hold everything that kind yeah, of yeah yeah uh-huh oh. and the characters of um rena and Oh God, Bobby, Rena and Bobby. They're just so believable. Like you know Rena, you know Bobby. Like yeah. you just and 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 I just really loved spending time with them, even though like, you know, like there's some really disturbing bits as well, like the things again, like what women go through with, you know, enduring domestic violence and 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 it's it's kept silent because you know you've just got to forgive your man and get on with it and all this kind of stuff and so that that that's the thing it's like it's 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 quite a it's quite a it's it's like a sly like uh, feminist book if you know what I mean it's kind of under your skin in that way yeah, uh -huh. hard life that uh, uh, in particular kind of has to go through uh -huh. I the way that it was written that. In nearly every chapter, 
you kind of reassessed what had gone before and then it foreshadowed what might happen next. You were never fully in that direct moment. There was always, you know, what might happen next and what had happened previously. And sometimes you would go, oh, see that? That seemed to be one thing at the time. It was actually something much, much worse. Yeah, and you just, you, and, and it's things like you just in a different universe, in a different time, in a different, um, you know, somebody as bright and determined and as as talented as Rena would have had had a completely different life. Yeah. And, and it just, and it's just, it's just such a really great social commentary without it feeling like it's like a sort of finger point, pointy social commentary about the restrictions of class, the restrictions of sex, like all that kind of thing. It's, it's it was really, really well done. Similarly, I think, and again, beautifully written, is Electricity by Angus Peter yes. Campbell. Yes. Where, you know, again, one of my favourite books of the year, and it's about, basically, it's a, if I remember rightly, it's an older woman in Edinburgh kind of remembering her childhood in Hebrides, yeah, she's waiting for her granddaughter. Mama. Yeah, that's right. And uh, and it's starting to get electricity and how that changes the islands. And as you say, little things like that come along with getting, you know, oh, we've got a fridge. Oh, we've got a toaster. <laughs> oh, we might get, a, you know, we might have an airline. But they do get an airline. It changes lives there. And just how things that we take for granted are mm -hmm. huge life changers and community changers. Yeah. And in terms of a, a woman's work at home, you know, suddenly that, the, those changes as well. And I just think it's so beautifully written by- Yeah, uh, yeah. I've, I've not read it like from cover to cover, I've, I've dipped in and out of it, but the, like Angus Peter Campbell just, just nailed that voice, that beautiful, simple, but really poignant and meaningful. Everything she uttered me meant something. Yeah. Even if it was just about, you know, like getting a fridge and and all that kind of thing. Like it's easy to sort of say, God, this is a book about nothing. What's but it but like those these things matter. These things really matter. Yeah, absolutely. And it's definitely not uh, you know, books about nothing. And also I thought there was I mean, that's it's not history from a long time ago, but it's in a lot of some people's living memory. Yeah. So books that were kind of in my living memory that were there and I'm thinking of um, Alan Radcliffe's The Old Haunts. All right, I've not got round to that one yet. Yeah. It's a, a lovely kind of, it's about being brought up in working class Edinburgh, realising that you're gay but not being able to tell your parents, the, the parents, he's grieving over the death of his parents uh, and goes away with his partner up north and he's having to come to terms not just with that but how his childhood was and how, you know, it, it dips into his life going to um, university and then um, uh, working in London and then having to come back for various reasons. And it's just, as you say, it's just a lovely, I've used this quote before and I'm sure I will again, but James Kelman <laughs> said that um, the most dramatic thing you will find is in ordinary people's everyday lives. And that's what these books are. That's exactly totally. what they are. Uh, the main character is uh, Jamie, and uh, it's uh, again. I think it's a debut. I might be wrong about that, Alan. If you're looking, yeah, I think it is actually. Yeah, uh, it's bubbling away for a wee while. So it's like I remember, like I remember seeing that it was going to come out, and I was like, oh, yeah, at last, kind of thing. <laughs>
Um, and a, another one I just want to touch on quite quickly because it really was my kind of childhood time. <laughs> but after that, if anything, it was Katrina Child's Feed Into You, which again is about um, a problematic families, friendships, mental health problems, young love, love of music, how music can kind of almost save you, um, making first friendships and all of those things. It was such a great depiction of childhood moving into adulthood, one of the best that I've read in a long, long time. Katrina really captures that period and it's got a great soundtrack to it as well. You know, if you've got <laughs> the songs mentioned, you know, you won't uh, go far wrong listening to them. Fade Into Use from the Mazzy Star song of the same Ah, book. right, okay. One of my favourite songs. Um, great to have another novel from Katrina Child because I think she's a terrific writer. She just quietly gets on with it, doesn't she? She just, yeah, she's yeah. And so varied as well because, you know, you had Trackman, which was about the kind of a, a bit like Brody. It was a thing which came to life and guided the person. And then you had, you've got I'm a zombie in. book. There's a zombie novel. There's a zombie one. Yeah, there is. I'm sure that I've not made that up. Us versus the world, is it called? All oh, right, okay. And then I think there's a, so I think four, maybe five. But yeah. always worth checking out. And always surprising when I get to read you, uh, Katrina Child. She's published by Lewis Press, who had a very good year, I think. Yeah, yeah. And especially with their fiction, I think. Yeah. Uh -huh. Electricity was Lewis as well. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, I'm going to mention Weak Teeth by Lindsay yeah. May. Got that um, here. Again, sort of, <laughs> it's, it's a really recognisable sort of quarter century <laughs> life breakdown. <laughs> Can I tell you, I the big health problems I've had in my life have been in my teeth. I, I identified with this novel so, so strongly that I had to get in. And, you know, when I got my uh, uh, proof copy sent round, Lindsay put in a wee bag of kind of confectionery teeth, you know, like wee jelly teeth. Oh, I love them. Yeah. I love them. Yeah, well, uh, um, yeah, I, I identified with this book so much. It, it was just frightening, to be honest. The teeth uh, thing was getting on my nerves. I was like, get all, like, just for God's sake, just let your teeth settle down. Because I actually had an issue with my tooth this year. Um, I had a massive filling put in at the back. Mm. And it was sore for about two months. But I was I was determined that it was just something that I had to like you know and I was like for God's sake. <laughs> but as you were going to tell us, it's not all about teeth. No, so it's not all about on. teeth. Yeah, yeah. So she loses her job. She um her her boyfriend of a very long time. They live together. Um, uh, they split up. He goes off with these with these new fancy women, and she's just kind of left thinking I've put all my life into this life and it was just collapsed what do I do now so she just kind of has a sort of mini breakdown <laughs> oh absolutely and, I just want to stay at home as well again what a family yeah. is yeah she just like I, I, I totally recognisable in the fact that you just want to curl up in a ball and not go to work and not see anybody and not do anything and just mump and moan for a wee bit and just ignore that that the, the world is still turning outside um but then and, and then it comes in and then it but but then the sort of it just starts to snowball these little lies that she tells and all this kind of thing and and it made me cry as well like the the very end scenes with um with the with the oh god i've forgotten her name what was her name again El, ellis ellis is with her and her mum just making the tea together i don't know i just 
totally started crying when I read that. Then incredible, recognisable every day. I don't think I've read a book that points out the dangers of using social media to kind of follow what an ex is doing and everything. Oh, God. Oh, I was like, God. stop it. That's it. You know what? The whole book, you're just going, oh, no, no, don't do that. Because you knew. It's textbook about the way not to handle a breakup, if you possibly yeah. can. But of course, it's irrational, isn't it? And that's the yeah. point that's kind of getting across. I loved Weak Teeth. Again, yeah. you know, what a, what a great debut. And we've talked earlier on about, you know, celebrating Scottish writing. So many great debut first novels coming out this year that, you know, there is a lot of reason to be full of cheer in that sense. I know, because that was the thing with the salt tires um, that I was at um, last night. Was It was just... Like every single shortlist, every single book, you were like, yeah, that deserves to be on there. And yet you could also name a, a replacement shortlist yeah, of, yeah. of books that could have been could have been on there. There's such a sheer variety of different kinds of books that are coming out in, in Scotland at the moment. It's it's quite dazzling. Like we're knocking out the park in uh, sci fi and fantasy and crime and uh, literary like just all of it there's just so so much going on and i just i just think that we need to start noticing this for goodness sake <laughs> i think uh, you and i are preaching to the converted but hopefully other people will say this. i have to say another book similarly to weak teeth and others that celebrated every day but dealt with really difficult family life is um kirkland chaconi's sadie call the polis yeah. Which, again, talk about a novel that would make you cry. Just someone who's having to deal with a terrible childhood and then that move into adulthood and how you bring a lot of those childhood issues with you. It was absolutely gorgeous written. I, I, I've read other uh, Kirkland Chaconi books, but this is the best for me so far. I just loved it. Did you manage to read this? I didn't manage to read it, but again, like um, Katrina Child, yeah. Somebody's just quietly getting on with writing book after book after book, and they have, they deserve to be better known because you know is that the fourth, third, fourth? I think third or fourth. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Was it Fledgling that published this? Yeah, I think it was another publisher that published the first few. Yeah. I can't remember now. Maybe I can't. Yeah. Uh huh. Um. Uh, yeah, absolutely love this book. Um, fantastic central character of Sadie. Um. The 1976 heatwave, which I can just about remember being young at that time as well. and um, But it brings it right up to date with COVID is involved in it too. So, you know, it's a real, it, it's interesting how now the, well, it's interesting to me and quite sad to me, but the 70s and 80s are history. I know, it's so bad. So that's what you're dealing with a lot of these books. You know, I'm now, 20 years ago, they would be contemporary. Now, I hate to say it. I know, I know. <laughs> it's so depressing. You were like, that was 30 years ago. What? No. <laughs> you mentioned uh, when we started talking about books that looked at history and uh, in a slightly different way. And there's two I'd like to bring up. Mm -hmm. One is River Spirit by Leila Oh, yes. Yes. Love that. Absolutely. Yeah. Got, I mean, what a writer Leila is. But this is set in 1890s Sudan. And Leila, although she lives in Aberdeen, I think now, is originally from Sudan, so she's got that. And, and there are links between the two countries in this. There's a character who's a painter. What an interesting character oh. he is. You're oh. <laughs> on my nerves. Well, absolutely. But, you know, again, the way uh, uh, the, the way that uh, 
women are treated in here. It's yeah. not just off its time and place, but also, and I'm right in thinking that the painting uh, that goes back home, the daughter just gets rid of because she's so um, upset that her father would have painted someone yeah. in that state of disrobe. Yeah, uh, as it is. and uh, yeah, I, d I just absolutely loved it. And Akuani, uh, who's the oh. female character, what a brilliant character! Oh, I know. Favorite character of the year. Yeah, just, I mean, what a, a spirit! And you say in a different situation, what a life she would have had. I know, I think, yeah, that's the thing. Like, these amazing women throughout, and all these books that, that, that we've talked about. Yep. And just in a different time, hope, you know, but, I mean, we're still, you know, we still get all this shit <laughs> nowadays, but, but it's, cl it's clearly not as bad. But yeah, like, again, this is, there's a, there's a sly anger in this book. Like it's written in such, in such a poetic, lyrical way, but it's quite matter of fact as well. Like yeah. you can't detect like narrative judgment on any, in any, in any shape or form on any of the characters, but there is. But it just feels it just feels much slyer and cleverer than that. It's not again. It's not like totally finger pointy. It's it's just it lays out how the people are, how they are, and and invites you to make your own your own own your own judgment. Well, and you almost get the sense that the women in the book are getting on with things while the men are playing soldiers. <laughs> well, and you get the the Maddie character, her partner, oh. character, and uh, no, see, and, and the way that like power corrupts uh an idea you know like you know in the beginning you know there was nothing actually wrong with thinking that the thing should be different but it's then but it get but the way it gets co-opted into ambition and power and not to be nothing to believe that, that you are a deity that you are yeah. a special one yeah 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 oh yeah i really really love this one yeah absolutely um and just finally in this section, uh, I wanted to talk about Eleanor Tom's connective tissue. Yes. Which is almost memoir. It's her grandmother's memoir and how her grandmother kind of dealt, her, you know, was brought up just before the war and had to, and then eventually got to Scotland. And it's the kind of way that she got here and <laughs> what she had to deal with getting here. Um, Eleanor had really researched her real family background but yeah. to make it fiction which I think is a really interesting decision and I think yeah. it allows for something different to happen than straight up memoir that's, mm. that's what I think anyway yeah it's, it's it's funny that in a way you create a little bit of distance by doing that it doesn't feel as it doesn't feel as if it's a story that belongs to you in the same way if you if you do do it through fiction rather than, than memoir yeah, excellent. Uh, time is cracking on, as it always does with us. It's ridiculous. Hey, did you know, we get... you want to, on you go, what were you going to say? Oh, I've, like, there's a couple of other <laughs> Yeah, no, go for it. I've still got a, a pile of about eight here before we got into crime, so let's go. I know, for... right, but so I'm going to just quickly then talk about it. Oh, <laughs> I just keep seeing ones and think, oh yeah, I've not talked about that yet. So staying with historical fiction, right. Hazardous Spirits by um Anbara Salam as well, which um I read recently. And it's again, it's about it's the aftermath of war. So it's set in the 1920s 
in Edinburgh and it's when the sort of spiritualist movement started to really sort of ramp up and people were I mean you, when you think about it it's understandable the 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 whole world well the the well people in Scotland and people in Europe in particular had had gone through this massive generational trauma and where you know like grief was everywhere and, and this, this book is about collective grief but it's also about family grief and individual grief as well and so this woman's husband Evelyn he um decides that he that well he just declares that he can speak to the dead right. and so and she's kind of mortified at this but decides that maybe it'll help him in some way to sort of carry on with this investigation and she's like sort of quite a an uptight edinburgh middle class woman um and and it's it's just it's really well done um uh, again quite subtle in its sort of social commentary because it is it does feel more like a domestic a book about a domestic life like a marriage but it is about more it is about more than that really really good um hazardous spirits i would recommend that one and then away from history, um, let's talk a little bit of sci-fi. Yes, um, Chimera by Alice oh, Thompson. Thompson. I love Alice Thompson, but I've not read that one. Well, she, uh, well, I know she's always she's always been an author that I've wanted to investigate, and uh, and and so I decided to read her new one, and uh, it's really weird but really great. I, I, this about yeah. right, yeah, that sounds <laughs> about right. And again, it's really short as well, so you'll get through it quite quickly. And it's about this um, mission into space where ostensibly the, the mission is about um, saving Earth and saving life on Earth. Right. But actually there's a secret reason about, about the mission to this moon. And uh, the main character is a, a, a lass called Artemis, who is a dream researcher and um, she has to go on this mission because she has to make sure that the people on board don't dream. So they have to take pills to not make them dream. Right. But it is about, but and, and some of the folk on board are sort of AI Borgy things. Um, or I can't remember what they're called. Um, and it's just this really strange mixture of how how you create your reality and it's also about AI as well which is you know the hot topic in the publishing world at the moment and it's really cleverly done it's quite dreamlike so it has that sort of weird dream logic where it makes sense but it doesn't make sense and oh it's really really good really really good and then it has it has all the characters like talk in sentences that are quotes from literature which I thought was really clever because of the whole, you know, AI is going to nick our intellectual property. Yeah, sure. So it's just, so it weirdly feels like you're reading an AI, but you're not because it is a human. Oh, it's just, it's really clever. It's really clever, but also really entertaining as well. Um, so that was one of my favourite books of the year too. And I don't know if, um, did you read this one this year? I Doug did. Johnson's I story. Right the space yes yeah. in fact it's, you know this my mum took this book to her book group i'm thinking i don't know if they'll get this but they absolutely loved it oh that's so good absolutely loved it every one of them my mum's <laughs> favorite book of the year people if you're looking that's <laughs> an endorsement doug johnson's the space between us and again something different from doug because it's it is sci-fi yeah. But what Doug does brilliantly in all his books, no matter what it is, is the characters. He gets you yeah. curious about the characters. So you've got these central characters who are running away 
you know. From something, yeah. Something. And they've all kind of met after they've dropped unconscious on Portobello Beach, is that right? Is it Porty or is it Gullin? I don't know. Anyway, it's, yeah. it's, it's on a, a beach near Edinburgh. And a, and it, it's all linked. And you've got these kind of, how would you describe them? They're sort, is it sort of octopusy, jellyfishy yeah. type thing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it sounds... It's one of these books that when you try and describe it, folk might go, oh, no, that's not for me. I know, it's just... It was, yeah. And actually, everyone loved it, but it was because of the characters they loved and the dynamic yeah. between the characters as well. Even the dynamic between the characters and the sort of alien jelly mm. thing as well, I'm, because... I'm counting the alien jelly thing as a character, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and it totally made me want to go to Ullapool, just in case... And when I was on holiday earlier on in the year, there was a quite a lot of jellyfish in the, on the beach that I was on, and I just it just kept making me. I was like, I wonder if you're a like sentient alien. <laughs> it's it, it's a it's a it's a really thought provoking book, mm -hmm. and actually it was on a the Sarah Cox book club, I think. Oh that yes, that's that? right. Uh -huh. Um, and I was really glad to see because they all reacted, going, "I didn't think I would like this," but <laughs> I thought. That's great. I'm really pleased for Doug because, you know, yeah. he deserves to get um, such uh, coverage and attention. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And someone else who wrote, a, 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 again, it's sci-fi, but in a recognisable world was Rachel Atala, oh, right. The Animals, which uh, her second novel and um, a very recognisable Glasgow and surrounding area that is often set in it. And... Um, there's a global drought, it's a pandemic. They the family retires to their farm, hoping that you know they'll see it through, and then another family appears. I mean, it's it, it could be influenced by so many things. They have to get back to Glasgow for reasons that we then find out are really pretty despicable. Um, yeah, I just absolutely loved it. Absolutely. I think she's such a good writer, such an inventive writer. And uh yeah, uh, another one which Give you dystopia, but wow, it's recognizable. I think by not writing about the the pandemic, it's the best yeah. pandemic I've written so far. Right. It really captures the feel of what it was like and the fears that a lot of people had as well. Yeah. Uh -huh. Brilliant. And that comes out in paperback the next year too. <laughs> That'll be out in paperback next year. This is already out in paperback. It's Heather Parry's This Is My Body given. Oh, for yes. It's a collection oh. of short stories. Yeah, I've got I absolutely loved it. It's very much um, around the body, as the title suggests, and everything that goes with it—the fear, the failure, the you know, um, the, the the success, all sorts of things. It's so visceral and really kind of vital writing. I'm a big fan of Heather Parry's anyway. Yeah. Big fan of short stories, and this is something else. I can I really do recommend it. Heather Parry, This Is My Body, Given For You. It's an amazing collection of uh, stories concerning the body, almost body horror at some times, you know. That's, yeah, oh yeah, like there's there's a lot of moments. Yeah, where you're just like, oh. <laughs> but it's also odd and twisted and, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. a fantasy sometimes in some ways. Yeah. yeah. Really, really enjoyed that. And her Another novel, her Sorry. novel Orpheus Builds a Girl is really, really great as well. As well. Um, oh, a horrendous villain who, like, uh, like that's oh, right. God. 
Perhaps one of the worst characters. Did that come out this year or was it the year before? No, I think it was the year before. That's like, what I thought because I would have mentioned it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, you're right about the central character. What a piece of work. Oh, every time he kept referring to her as, as my wife, I was just like, shut your face, you. Shut your goddamn face. <laughs> take your, take my, your wife's name out your mouth. I know. It's just like, <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, talking of kind of short stories and a favourite writer of mine, we've mentioned him before when we've done these roundups. MJ Nichols' Violent Solutions to Popular Problems. Oh man, I just love what he does. It's so difficult to explain to you what he does. He kind of um, takes writing itself and writers themselves and really plays with it. You know, it's literary reference, there's film reference, there's reference to other writers, there's reference to publishers. You know, he almost seems to be saying, bring it on. You know, he's almost saying, like, I'm going to write about all these things, and if you don't like it, then, you know... Does he name them? I mean, is that... Oh, absolutely, he names them. Yeah. In fact, there's a character, a despicable character called Alistair in here, and I'm not entirely sure that that's not, you know... Um, never, never. Well, um, I, I, I like Jay um, Nichols writing so much. He, nobody writes like him. Nobody writes with the kind of eye and uh, kind of uh, irony and, and, and wit and self-deprecation as well. There's always an MJ Nichols character in there too, and usually they're not doing very well. <laughs> um, yeah, his books are, are always very odd. He's done them where he takes you around about Britain or Scotland and place by place. I would say most of his books, although they've been novels, are kind of short story collections anyway. Right. This, is a, this is a short story collection without the theme that other ones might have had. It's great to have new stuff from MJ Nichols. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. Have we done crime yet? We haven't done, haven't crime. done crime. And I'm thinking that's about, I think, well, before we go on to crime, I would like to name three writers. A new one from David Cameron. All right, uh-huh. Yeah you know, um, which is by Taproot Press. And it's such an interesting book. Again, looking at the idea of um, the muse, a very kind of controversial ideal these days. Mm-hmm. And um, he he really kind of writes, I think in, in a brave fashion, really kind of literary fashion. He's, he's perhaps better known as a poet and a prize winning poet in mm-hmm. Ireland. He lives and works. But uh, this is a very interesting read. One of the first ones I read in the year. So I do recommend Femka. And Taproot Press that is from as well. Yes, absolutely, definitely. And also we mean that say that James Kelman had a book out last year and with PM Press, American-based PM Press. Now they released a book of short stories, Keep Moving and No Questions. Most of them, if you're a Kelman nut like me, you'll have read them before because they're in right. other places. So it's not a new collection? Well, I thought it would be. And if it had been, I think it would have been on my top books of the year. Right. Um, but there's, there are new stories in it. So enough. So if you're a completist <laughs> Kelman, you know, uh, keep moving and no questions you should get. And then... Was, there, was he not supposed to bring out another collection of essays? And I think that it is either out or it... It, it's just about. Press, yeah, yeah, I'd have to double check that. And then Ron Butlin returned to my all-time favourite book. I know, and I've not Lives. read it yet. <laughs> it's called So Many Lives and All of Them Are Yours, and it is a sequel and a prequel 
to the sound of my voice, which, as many of you will know, is perhaps my favourite book of all time. And I had a great chat with Ron on the podcast all about it, which you can catch up over on scotswayhey.com. Um, yeah, lovely man to spend time with. And uh, what a writer he is. Just a I know, Morris Magellan. That's his name, isn't it? Yeah, you the return of Morris Magellan yeah. or Magellan. Yeah, Magellan or Magellan. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh... That's yeah, I'm um, and like to revisit that character is ah, absolutely it was really great. good news. Let's make an executive decision because time is against us. Why don't as we always <laughs> as always? So let's do crime fiction in part two. Um, but before we do that, before we say goodbye to part one, what's been your fiction book of twenty twenty three? Do you have one that you could choose? Uh, yeah, uh-huh. uh-huh. But this is the thing. It's like we always go over time in fiction because there's just too many good ones. That's but right. anyway, but my favorite of the year, which we have talked about already, is Bane by Anne Marie MacDonald. This is my favorite book of the my favorite fiction book of the year. Well, my favorite fiction book of the year is Heather Parry's This Is My Body Given for You, because it's just such a great collection of stories, and I do recommend it to everyone. And also it's published by a very lovely small independent publisher called Haunt Publishing and they should get your support as well. Oh, it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Great publisher. So um, that's all for fiction for 2023. Do join us in part two of the best books of 2023 where we will start with crime and see how it goes from there, basically. See you then. (laughs) 